0: coming to you from the lab where they talk about guns gear training and everything in between here are your hosts mike and big Keith, and this is the gun experiment
1: how's it going everybody and welcome to the gun experiment this week keith and i talk about low-light shooting and discuss battle belt awesomeness I just want to remind everyone that we drop new episodes on the second and fourth Tuesday of every month so be sure to subscribe and share the show with friends. And as always, I cannot get the show started without the big man across the table, my co-host, Big Keith. Keith, how are we doing tonight?
2: I'm doing awesome. I'm so excited we can talk about this like fully now. We I, have I'm, a little teaser. Yeah, and I'm so, uh, you know, I'm so terrible at, uh, at keeping secrets when we're on and I like when we when we got done shooting this course. I just wanted to talk about it the next time
1: we recorded, but we couldn't. We were waiting for Ben. Ben. Uh, I am excited as well. So let's get into this thing. Yeah.
2: So, so, so did, what's going on with you? Uh, so my 22 league is like right in the middle of it. And I'm shooting pretty well. Um, third out of 31 right now.
1: That's good. I'm impressed. Uh,
2: maybe fourth. I, I I was looking real quick before the show and I, I might have missed somebody. but Gun experiment uh, should sponsor you. <laughs> that would be cool. Um, and... Of course, I'm feeling good, but there's been some criticism about my form, and uh, some people are saying that I have terrible
1: form. So here's what I want to know: Are the people criticizing you in second and first place? Not in my division. Well then, fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> Say when you can outshoot me. You can co- You can. Solo well, they my definitely form. can outshoot me. Oh, okay.
2: Um, they're shooting probably as good as I am. Iron sights. Oh, I'm, so that's what you mean by not in your division. Yeah, yeah. I'm, oh, I'm oh, still, gotcha.
1: I'm rifle optic. All right, so maybe you need to listen to him. <laughs> Well, I, I think, yeah,
2: I mean, I, I guess I'm going to have to start asking some questions, but you've seen me shoot. Does my form not feel right what i mean how do you grip the right what are they telling you you should do i didn't ask i think they were i think they were nudging me to ask and i didn't bite i was like listen well first of all this came up as we were about to start shooting competition right so i don't so i I didn't want it to get my head so i just like let it go and and did my thing and i shot my best round of the night actually um so maybe it motivated me a little bit but uh, i do think i need to ask because maybe it's something good
1: yeah i mean listen knowledge is always good, right? Yeah, sure. All right. So, so what well, else going on? I didn't expect that's where that would end, but yeah. No, I mean, listen, <laughs> I, I I'm just saying, if someone's willing to help you, out, will take it. Yeah.
2: yeah. No, not not much else. Let's uh let's keep going on that tonight. I'm excited to to move on to So,
1: can while we're on this, can I can I just say something because I know you don't do the social media thing. Yeah. But this is going to irritate you and it irritates me. I'm so tired of seeing people's accounts in our in our in this world that we're in getting fact-checked and oh this this post can't be viewed for this reason or that reason and then you it's like I saw someone like they're not even selling guns but they got their post taken down because it violated their you know selling guns policy or whatever and it got me thinking about our show this is where like I really I really need to ask the support from our listeners because I am really afraid that these overlords are going to come for us eventually.
2: Well, we've been, we've, been, yeah, yeah we've I think talked we all expect this, it. You but know? I mean, I mean I,
1: I, this is really, like, I, we always ask for help. And, and I really, really mean this. If you're listening, I really need you to go do these things for us. You gotta, first of all, is follow us on Instagram because it, it is really a place for us to, to keep in touch and contact and connect to each, to each other. I had someone reach so far, out to me for right, now. for right now, but I had someone reach out the other day. It was a very nice conversation. So please a- add yourself to that. But, you gotta leave us those five star reviews and comments because Apple will 100 percent try to suppress us if they can, and the only way that they won't is if 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 people want the content. If you want the content, they're gonna they're gonna push it. That's they're they're not gonna stop that again for now. For now, yep. And the most important one is join the mailing list. That's what I was waiting for you to right? say. Right, because that's the one where it's, it if gives something, us more autonomy. If we get blocked
2: out for yep. some way, and you want to still listen, we'll be able to communicate with you, right? And you'll be able to listen to shows, right, through that mailing. Well, and, not necessarily through the mailing; it's through our website. And
1: our website, I don't want to say it's bulletproof, but it's way more bulletproof. I've gone through a lot of effort to make sure that the people that we use are pro-liberty. So. You can always get, if they shut me down, you can always go to our website, and that should always be free. Unless the whole goddarn thing goes down. The whole goddamn internet. <laughs> and then, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, yeah, well, you all know, right. we'll still be here recording to nobody. So I do want to get to our interview, but we have one more thing. We did get a very nice Apple podcast. I haven't Comment. I haven't read this yet, but you told me about it, so let's see. This is really nice, man. This this made me feel really good. So, five-star review, God bless Texas by He's that guy. <laughs> it's spelled G E <G-E-Y-E>, Y E, so I <laughs> I don't know if I said that right, and this is the review. Like a fine wine, this podcast has gotten better with age. From episode 1, Mike and Bid Keith have been delivering high-quality 2A content. They have great guests Gear reviews and continually ask tough questions. Would recommend this podcast for anyone who supports the second, is looking for great gear reviews, recommendations, and ideas to further 2A in their community. I'd like to add, I was just at the <laughs> range with a 32 round mag in my P365, <laughs> winky winky face, God bless Texas. Oh, God, is that just like so a that's, that's just a little, a little bit of a knife? That's sorry. He said we're a fine wine. So spicy mag. It. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of friggin' rounds. Jeez, it's a small gun. (laughs) All right. You ready to do this? Let's go, buddy. All right. Our guest tonight is the founder, owner, and lead instructor at On-Site Firearms Training. Please welcome back Ben DeWalt to the show. Hey, guys. What's What's going going on, Ben? Big Ben. How we doing?
0: Uh, Hanging in there. Hanging in there. What's happening?
1: First
2: time we've been able to say welcome back. I think you might be the first repeat. Yeah, uh, yeah, hundred percent. Welcome mm-hmm. back. Yeah, um, and, and it's yeah. Co- it's also kind of a milestone. This is our fifty first episode. We like totally passed our fiftieth, and yeah, I man. didn't even realize it. So
0: I'm Ben, fifty one years old. How crazy is Whoa. that? holy crow? What is this?
1: <laughs> you look good for fifty one, man. I got to say, good for you. I appreciate that. Yeah, um, yeah. I got a question for you because we nor- sure. well, I normally have a uh, a, a man's drink. Or some, sometimes not a man's drink, depending on what I'm in the mood for. It might still be considered yeah. liquor, but it's, <laughs> not, it's definitely not a man drink all what the time. Is, what is your drink of choice, Ben? Uh, I like bourbon. I thought so. I, I said that. Well, I, was like, I think he's a bourbon guy. My two bourbons,
0: um, I dig Taconic Distillery, since they're a local New York uh, distillery.
1: Are they in Roscoe?
0: And they're, yeah, they're up in Stanford. Oh, okay. New York, which is up past, sort of Poughkeepsie, up past oh. Forty Four. Okay. Um I know the owner, he's a he's a pro two A guy. Oh cool. Uh, I'm also a big fan of Woodford Reserve, the double O oh, yeah, I've had that Woodford. Uh it's pretty good. But that's my um so that's my my main drink of choice. But you know, I do like an occasional beer. Um Blue Moon is pretty good. There's a couple other beers. Uh Einstock from Iceland is my probably probably Never my had favorite that one. beer. <laughs>
2: Mike, have, uh, what's the name of the distillery up the road from Hudson Gardner? Have you ever had what, Hudson? Uh, oh, uh, baby bourbon. Baby, baby back bourbon. Ba- not baby back. I think it's just baby bourbon. <laughs> baby back ribs. <laughs> ba- I want my baby back ribs and my bourbon.
0: Right by Newburgh or in Newburgh, there's Spirit Labs. Oh,
1: Spirit Labs. Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah.
0: Okay. Oh, really good. Is it? Okay.
1: So uh, you want to talk some low light? Yeah, let's do it. All right, man. So, so, so let uh, let me start by saying this. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your teaching style because yep. it, I know there's people out there listening. And listen, training is is so important and it's so underrated. I want to go back to what our past guest said, Pat McNamara. Yeah, and Pat Mac had said it. it you got to focus on the software more than the hardware. And I'm paraphrasing, right? But everyone wants the big fancy guns. Listen, we're gear junkies, all of yep. us, right? But. A lot of times you you neglect the the software, and I got to do a better job of not neglecting that. And I plan on that's a goal of mine. I want to do more of that. So your teaching mm-hmm. style it was it was a nice blend. And what I mean by that is, uh, and I I want to say I coined this phrase, maybe I didn't, but <laughs> <laughs> it's it was equal parts professional and ballbuster. Yeah, and I really enjoyed it. And I say that because listen, I'm a guy, I'm a dude. I I want to like you want that relationship when you're, you're dealing with someone that you feel like you're at the bar with your buddy, right? But at the same time, you don't want someone who's a total dick. Well, I, I remember, Ben, I don't remember the joke, but we
2: were filling out our waiver form for the, for the range. And I, I, I said, you you said something and I had my opportunity to like test the waters a little bit. And you got right back at me with a crack my, about my sister. And I couldn't.
1: Yeah. What did you say, Ben? We, we're at the age, we don't talk about moms, but we talk about sisters, right? I'm
2: sorry. What did you say, Ben?
0: Was it a crack about your sister or a crack about your sister's crack? <laughs> no, it's <laughs>
2: a crack about my sister, not her crack. <laughs>
1: so I, anyway, I, I I just thought that that's uh, you know that was my take on your teaching style, and I and I really enjoyed it. Well, you know,
0: so the one thing that nobody wants is nobody wants to to pay to get yelled at. I mean, yeah. there are clubs for that in New York City somewhere. You know, in basements. But nobody wants to pay money to come to a class and then be told they're a fucking idiot. Right. Uh, And you have to have a fine balance where you can correct somebody or you can, quote unquote, discipline a student without, A, embarrassing them in front of the rest of the class, B, without, you know, bruising their ego or or C, doing it in a way that they're not going to carry it with them through the rest of the class. Right. So, like, the other night, last night, I had, uh, I was explaining a drill, and I didn't really say what we were going to do first, but I was explaining the setup for the drill, and one of the guys in the class kind of goes, oh, yeah, tap rack drill. And I stopped talking, and I looked at him, and I said, uh, well, okay, you know what we're going to do. You want to teach it, or can I still run my class? (laughs) And he looks at me and he goes, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I just, you know, I'm like, no, 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 it's cool, man. I was like, I refuse to pass up any opportunity to bust your balls. <laughs> everybody started laughing and he was laughing. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, you know?
2: I, we definitely felt that the, the whole way, uh, the whole way through. Because
0: that's how that's how you still maintain control of the class, but you don't skyline somebody. And then they feel all, oh, crap, I got yelled at. Yeah. And the whole class, they're just thinking about how embarrassed they were
1: you're a martial artist as well. And like, it's like when you have a bad day on the mats, it's like everyone, everyone takes that home with them. Right. But like yeah. you have to learn to, to let stuff go. Cause if it, it you don't want it to derail your progress, that's, that's the biggest part.
2: I know that you, uh, you mentioned that the range is going to be, um, Move into a new location, but that was the first time I was ever there, and it was pretty cool. Um, really freaking cold when we went, oh. but <laughs> but it was a pretty cool place, and uh, I just felt like a commando, being able to walk around a little bit with that belt on, and
0: <laughs> yeah, like did you go anywhere with that guy. You guys saw probably you know a tenth of that building. There are two big airsoft arenas that we use force on force. There's another public two lane, uh, 25 yard range. There's a padded floor room that we use for combatives, jujitsu, all kinds of fun stuff. Nice class. And
2: the people who won't let you teach your class.
0: Giant classroom upstairs.
2: And then Uh, I saw there was like a Nerf, like Nerf area for kids, like Nerf gun, Nerf wars.
0: Yeah, and then uh, all the local sort of fire departments and EMT, EMS, SWAT guys. They'll come to the building during the, you know, in the summer months when it's warmer out and they'll repel and enter through windows. Oh, that's cool. Like, it's wild. (laughs) Yeah, that's cool.
2: So, I mean, how much longer is that going to be open, though? When do they move their new place? I don't know.
0: I don't know. We've we've been there probably for two years and since even before we got in there, there was talks that...
2: Okay. So, it's there for the foreseeable future.
0: Yeah. We're not going anywhere anytime soon, so we got a ton more of classes. Gotcha. Speak, know, just speaking of
1: those classes, Ben, let's um, talk a little bit about course of fire. So I, we started off when we got there and you did a safety briefing, which is pretty par for the course of, you know, anytime you take a course, most people are going to do that. Anybody <laughs> should do that, right? And, you know, it was everything you would expect from a safety briefing. But I did like the fact that you, you obviously made sure everybody's firearm was safe and clear while we were talking and, Especially low light, right? Like there's a little bit of nerves going in there yeah. if you've never done it before. So the fact that you took the time to really talk about the lights are going out. Let's not shoot anybody. You know, what <laughs> I mean I'm I'm boiling I'm boiling it down real simplified, right? But that really puts someone's mind at ease. I mean, well, Keith, if you were- it,
2: it, Yeah, it definitely made me more comfortable. Um I you know, I was half serious half joking with with my wife and things about before i was leaving and i was kind of like man i've never really shot in the dark a little nervous you know um but you did do an excellent job at at making us comfortable and making sure that you set the expectations for where it was safe to point the gun when it was safe to point the gun makes you know and making sure that everyone knew knew those rules up front
1: before we even got started have you ever had a bad situation
0: no um oddly no That's good. Uh, I've had a couple people that I've had to pull off the line and send them home just for basic, like they just couldn't handle their gun. Like they're like, you get people that sign up like, oh, yeah, I shoot all the time. I've been shooting for X amount of years and cool. Okay, so later I find out that you've been shooting from a bench at a public range, Mm. a little table, tray, whatever it is in front of you, and that's all you've done. You've never drawn from a holster. You've never – handled your firearm in a way other than picking it up off a bench, aiming at a target, pressing the trigger, and putting it back down. And uh, usually within the first 10 minutes of a class, just the dry fire portion, if you guys remember we did, yeah the draw presentation dry fire. Yep. Um, usually right at that point is where I can tell whether or not we need to either separate somebody with another instructor, like Sean or Rachel or Scott or Chris, whoever is helping me that day, um, and then if that person can actually stay for the rest of the class. Right. And only, you know, in, in however many years doing this, only three people. Oh, okay. Um, and one was, uh, one, one instance was two people in the same class.
2: Any, uh, accidental discharges?
0: Uh, I've had two people have them. Okay. One was a buddy of mine, um, who is a former Marine. Uh, So he had about 15 years of military training, and uh, he had gloves on in the middle of July in a pistol class (laughs) running a VP9. And I had everybody draw your pistols out, remove your magazines, lock your slides to the rear. Well, the magazine release on the VP9, as you guys know, is located on the trigger guard. He's, of course, wearing these, you know, cool guy mechanics gloves, and uh, he goes to hit, he says, the trigger guard. Um, I tell him that the stitching in the tips of the fingers uh, leads to a non sort of tangible, non tactical feel, tactile feel of the trigger. He hit the trigger while he was pressing down on the magazine release. Mm. And he swore up and down that he did not hit the trigger. He did not hit the trigger. And I'm just like, dude, there's no other way. Do you not not know how guns work? Like you press (laughs) your mag release, your gun's not going to fire. Right, You don't feel the tip of the trigger. Or you don't feel the tip of your finger on the trigger because of the stupid gloves you're wearing. Uh, And I said to him, why are you wearing gloves? It's it's July 17th. Why the (laughs) f are you wearing gloves? He goes, well, when I was in the military, we, and I just said, stop, shut up, stop talking, take the gloves off, fix your gun, and let's get back to work. Right. Yeah. I don't want to hear whatever military reason it was that you had gloves on in the middle of a civilian class during the day in July.
2: You, you started off, like you said, with that dry fire and you know, I, we did a couple warm up drills, like you said, and then, you know, you came back and we started talking, uh, if I remember correctly, uh, we gear selection and you started talking a lot about flashlight selection, particularly cause this was low light and one of the things that I, I remembered most from the class that you impressed on me, and I, I don't want to steal the thunder, so I'm going to let you talk about it, is th- really the difference between a quality flashlight, you know, that yellowish light and that bright white light. So I wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of talk a little bit about that for the listeners so that they could hear the same thing.
0: Yeah. So I've taken, I've taken a lot of low light classes. Um, my favorite low light instructor who's out there right now, uh, teaching low light classes is, is Fisher a you know, good friend of mine. Great dude. Uh, very hardworking instructor, very knowledgeable dude. Um, and Steve, you know, one of the things that Steve said that, you know, I've heard for the past decade from the guy that really hits home is your light should be comparable to the gun. And it's, it's a fact, all of your accessories, the rest of your gear should be comparable to your gun. Like you're driving around in a like a you know, Mercedes. You're let's say you're driving around in a, in a McLaren. You're not going and putting Goodyear tires on your car, <laughs> right? You know, you're not putting hand cooks on your car. You're going. You're buying top of the line tires for the top for this top of the line car that you have. So if you're running this, you know six seven hundred dollar gun, eight hundred dollar gun. Why are you running the CVS light or the tactical light from as seen on TV? <laughs> you know, uh Inforce. Uh what else is it? O Light.
2: The you know, the one platforms. that you have to like put the duct tape around it to make it work.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, if you can't get a cloud defense or mod light, you know, there's surefire is still pretty good. Surefire is still kicking them out. I just bought a Surefire scout pro the other day yeah i mean that's what uh, i use in the class a thousand
2: you know a thousand lumens and i felt like i was i was good you know
0: uh but even streamlight streamlight's got really good stuff but if you like if you can't afford surefire or mod light there's always streamlight yeah. Streamlight they're, makes they're good stuff cheaper
2: yeah and it,
0: but they still they stu- still do kick out some good products you have to be a little picky with the products depending on what you want to use it for um but you know as kurt vonnegut said in this world you get what you pay for yeah yeah
1: um you know the light that i carry every day is a it's a stream light and it's yeah. uh 250 lumens and it definitely struggled you know at the, at the distances we were well, shooting
0: you might as well get a fucking pocket full of candles and a match yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but
1: you know like the problem is and this is just me being honest right like i in the summer when I'm wearing like, you know, whatever shirt, like I'm not going to carry a giant light. I'm just not going to do it. So it's either carry yeah. or don't carry. So what I've come to the conclusion of is I, I need to get something a little more robust, you
0: could probably double the size of that light and quadruple the lumens.
1: Yeah. I mean, 500 is wow. no problem. I can get 500 in a small package. A thousand's a little um, tough
0: like a Surefire or even a higher end Streamlight you could quadruple the lumens and only double the size. Really. Yeah,
2: yeah I think I really saw fire. your size in a 500 lumens.
1: That I did for sure.
2: Yeah, yeah. I you know and and honestly that would there were I think there were people been in the class shooting with 500 lumens that were doing just fine.
0: Yeah, it's, that's, I mean listen right now because of the way technology is I wouldn't take anything less than 1000 lumens yeah. because they're still scaling them
2: down. So yeah i mean mine old. mine was pretty small i mean mike you you see it it's right here with me right now you're a lot bigger than me though you, uh,
1: you could, that's you, true I, you know that's true but big uh,
0: keith is not as big as i thought big keith was like. well that uh, i he used lost, to be he
1: lost yeah. a me he lost like literally I lost I was, a me like,
0: i thought i was gonna have to hit him with a two by four but, you
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> no yeah i was i
2: was about 110 pounds heavier a year and a half ago
1: nice good for you we were talking about we're talking about the throw of these lights at distance i want to get to that distance so uh, this was humbling <laughs> and I, and I'm going to just say that when I've shot self-defense, I'm used to shooting seven yards and I know that I'm not the greatest shot in the world, but it's like, Hey, you know, seven yards up close and personal belly gun You walked in with more confidence. I did. Well, I wouldn't say that cause I'm very real. I'm a realist, but is your philosophy on shooting from 15 yards out? Is that a Steve Fisher philosophy? Because I know he feels that way.
0: Uh, It's a Steve Fisher, Super Dave, pretty much everybody that we've trained with. uh, Based upon the opinion, and we'll call it opinion, because you could could consider it fact, but um, just so nobody gets butt hurt, we'll call it opinion, (laughs) that you should be able to shoot someone from whatever distance they can shoot you at.
2: Mm -hmm. That makes Um, sense
0: think about the aisle in the grocery store. If I'm in the aisle of the grocery store and somebody comes to the other end of the aisle, am I standing in the aisle or am I running to the, to the end cap? Uh, You know, so I want roughly my daily or I should say every other day. I practice at about 25 yards, Uh, but 15 and 15 to 25 is sort of like the religion for me. Um, outside of 25, uh, 25 to 50, uh, I do have a range where I can shoot at 50, and I practice that as much as I can. But 25 yards seems to be, for most of our indoor ranges, and unfortunately for a good portion of our outdoor ranges, that seems to be our limitation for now.
1: Right. Uh, so, Well, what I found interesting about that is it it is certainly challenging. And when we had Steve Fisher on the show, we kind of had this conversation a little bit too, but it is challenging but when you move to 7 yards 7 yards should be no problem if you've been practicing at 25 right, right. so it it sets your yeah. it sets the bar high but in the end it makes you a much more efficient gunfighter at a close range at a mugging or a, you know when those things happen right. you should be super duper effective at that range
0: well as your dist well the one thing that people do suddenly learn unfortunately is as your distance, cha- distance changes so does your holds So I get guys that practice at 25 and their guns are zeroed at 25 and we get up to do some tiny like little one inch, you know, the little one inch pasters for IDPA. We sometimes use those as targets, as visual vocal references and uh, get guys that come up to like three and five yards and they're like, I practice at 25 all the time. I know what I'm doing. And they're shooting two inches low or an inch low. And I look at them. I'm like, so where are you zeroed at? Oh, 25 yards. Okay, where are you placing your dot? Well, right on the black square. Okay, we're standing at five yards. Do you think maybe you should place your dot an inch or so above where you desire your hit to go based upon your zero and your distance, current distance from the target? And they'll be like, oh yeah, offset. Like, yeah. That's what people who shoot at distance sometimes they they forget that. You get up close to the target and you're thinking you're still doing the same hold at 15, 20, 25, etc. So people tend to underestimate when they get close to a target that it's, all this is going to be easy.
2: I think people, I mean, I I shouldn't say people. I I know I personally forget that that offset can happen in in that short of a distance. I mean, 25 yards is not really that far in the grand scheme of how far a projectile goes, right?
0: Yeah. Welcome to being a human being. We we tend to screw things up for no reason. (laughs) We forget things. We... You know it's just the way life goes for us we we're we're bound we're
2: born to error. one of the next things mike and i wanted to be sure we talked about were you mentioned holds and you gave us four holds if i remember correctly uh cheek 90 spotlight and harry's hold
1: yeah um, this is just one interruption yeah for the listener what we're talking about is how you hold the flashlight there's yeah, different ways to hold the flashlight for different scenarios in conjunction oh, wow. with the in conjunction with the firearm, so guide
2: you. No, great uh, cheek. I mean, really hard for listeners to to describe what this is, but basically, one handed. You know, you're holding your firearm out and you're holding the flashlight under your cheek, and yeah, right under your cheekbone. Under your cheekbone, and short, and and using. You know, one of the things you said, Ben, was don't swivel your head, swivel your firearm with your head, right? You know, so that you can... You no, know,
0: don't, don't swivel the firearm. Turn, turn your head, look and search and scan with your head, but leave the firearm pointed in a direction where you know is safe. What I see people do with low light a lot is they'll move the entire body and the gun while they're searching yeah. with the flashlight. And it's like, if I don't know what's to my left, should I be pointing a gun in that direction? Or should I check with the flashlight first, but be ready to move the gun? Because if I suddenly turn and I'm now pointing a gun at someone who does not need a gun pointed at them, uh, that may end up bad for me, especially in a state like New York.
2: And and yeah, for sure.
0: That's called, I believe that's called assault or aggravated assault. You know, if you point a gun at somebody,
2: Uh, (laughs) I almost happened to me tonight. Actually, I was, well, we'll talk about Uh, (laughs) that. Um, i uh, the ninety is is basically just taking your arm that you have the flashlight out and I that you have the flashlight in and holding it at a ninety degree almost like you would be signaling to make a uh or, or
0: flexing, really, when
2: you flexing flexing the muscle, yeah yeah I was thinking of
0: which way is the which way is the beach, is the beach sir over oh, this way ladies. that's you right that. that's yeah right. yeah yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, kind of like Bowser I was yeah, thinking no,
2: like yeah. making a right hand turn like they
1: taught you when you were learning your yeah. when you're learning how to drive but yeah. Yep. But I, I gotta say, Ben, you just broke Shana. Nott. I got the reference, but I'll bet you there's about there's a ton of people who did not get that reference.
0: <laughs> yeah. They were like the lame version of the Ramones. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, I felt that this, this 90 hold definitely made it easier to to remember to scan with the light and not my
1: yeah. arm that I'm that I'm you know, the firing arm. Um yeah. and the the 90 and the uh, spotlight like we're the, the, that was the, the next the, one the, is a spotlight, the spotlight yeah. lesson there is you know if you're if you're looking out farther right like you're looking maybe out maybe it's the woods maybe it's you know you can kind of get that out there and also tell me if i'm wrong about this ben but one of the advantages of that is that the, you know people the bad guy tends to react and shoot where the light is at so if your arm is out that's kind of where their attention is is that true uh, you know i've heard I, that i just want to know if that's a, a school of thought he like forgot that. to ask you in the class I mean,
0: I haven't been shot at by a bad guy while I was holding the light. Um, But I imagine, you know, when we do force on force, we see a lot of people get shot in the hands. Yeah. And that's because when we're in a situation, high stress, we get that sort of that visual, uh, you know, sort of tunnel vision, they call it. And I've actually had people shoot me in the hands. Mm. And I said, Why'd you shoot me in a hand? And they go, I don't know. I just saw the gun and I got locked into the gun. Mm. So maybe they get locked into the light. Yeah, I don't know. It's, but, it's a good theory. But the, the overhead search and scan, uh, if I don't know where the problem is, and let's say I hear some sort of sound in the backyard in the woods, I may not be pointing my gun into the woods before I see what the noise right, is. Right.
2: Right. We weren't so that yeah.
0: overhead search and scan, I kinda get a good field of view. I get a good sweeping, sort of like the eye of Sauron, um, kind of view. And then if I see something where shit, my gun needs to come out like right now, I can bring the gun up, I can bring the gun out yeah. of the holster, whatever it is, wherever it's coming from. Yeah. Um, but we gotta have that.
2: we did some drills like that. We did drills where you had a search and then and then on holster and uh And then not
0: shoot. Yeah. It was like, it's nothing false alarm, you know, whatever you heard a weird noise, holster back up. Not every situation requires you pressing trigger.
1: Right. Keith, do you want to talk about Harry's hold a little bit? (laughs) Yeah. Do you remember uh, Ben? This is
2: the one that I, when you mentioned this, we were kind of, we had taken a break and you, you had mentioned it. And I, I had, I I said to you, I said, I'm just going to do it like this. And, and I kind of held my, my shirt so, and then had my gun out and I, I told you, I, did, I was nervous about shooting myself and uh, you were like, you said, no, you're going to do it the way I tell you to do it <laughs> and you're going to do it this way and you're going to, you know, you're going to take your gun out first and then your flashlight and then when you're done, you're going to put your flashlight away first and then your gun. And I did it fine and I felt, I felt good about it afterwards, but I was definitely a little nervous about doing that. I was nervous about doing that before I even got there. <laughs>
0: So it comes from um, a guy named Michael Harris. He was a very well-known practical combat shooter. Uh, Jeff Cooper actually was a big fan of this technique. And it is simply, you know, backs of the hands against backs of the hands. But the one thing that we have to remember when we are employing this hold is that the gun needs to come out first. Yeah, You have to have the gun in the general direction first. And then the support hand holding the flashlight comes up underneath and you hit back of the hands, to the backs of the hands. Um, like I said, in the class, there was, uh, it was just for some odd reason. One day I'm in a class and, uh, my buddy Kelly Venden is teaching the class. It's a low light class. And I put that support hand over the top of my gun hand. Um, so my wrist bone was lined up perfectly with the back of my slide. On this five-inch steel frame steel slide, 1911, and uh, when I pressed the shot, that slide came back, hit me right in that wrist bone, uh, right at the base of your wrist on the on the outside, and uh, it hurt. It hurt a little bit. Um, it hurt enough that my ego was definitely bruised, along with my my hand.
2: I bet you never did it again, uh, though.
0: Never did it again. Yeah, and that was the big thing. And from now on, I'm like, yep. Gun comes out first, hand comes up underneath. The other reason. Is imagine if you had your flashlight hand out first across the body, and now you drew your pistol out and brought it up behind the arm and oh, over yeah. the arm.
2: It's that that's the you fear. Know, you're, that's you end up,
0: you're flagging your wrist, you're flagging your your forearm. Um you know, and that's why I said you were like, Oh my god, I mean I'm not afraid I'm gonna shoot myself with that hold. And I'm like, No, you're not. You do it the right way, or not? You
2: no, I plan. I got to tell you, I walked into that class saying, "I don't care what Ben says, I'm not doing that hold." And you know, you you really you bullied him. You, you were br- like, "You're doing him. I don't even. Yeah, it was really. It was like a Jedi mind trick bully. Yeah. I didn't even like. I didn't even fight. <laughs> Shut up, girl. You're doing it. <laughs>
1: Well, you know what it is when your instructor has confidence in you? You have confidence yeah. In you. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's
2: like you're going to do it. I felt very comfortable through the whole class. I mean, that is definitely a theme that I hope we're, we're getting across here. You know, Yeah, for sure.
0: You need, to, you need to have somebody who's confident in what they're teaching, but also confident in you know, their ability to get you to trust them. Yeah. And there are a lot of things I can get you to trust me to do. <laughs> uh, you may not want to do some of them. <laughs> uh, but, but in a class where there is potential for disaster... If I say, hey, here's how you're going to do it, I don't care how long it takes you to do it, the first thousand times you do this, I just want you to follow the technique. Do not worry about the speed. Do not worry about the guy next to you who's doing it 10 times faster than you. You get the technique down, you get proper technique, and you get reps on proper technique. You're not even going to think about it when you go to do it after that. Is gonna come to
1: you. I do want to talk because, as an instructor, it, there's these little like nuggets of knowledge that sometimes you don't even they don't dawn on you at first, and I and this happened to me in the class. So uh, I'm just going to put it out there: I shot like absolute fucking dog vomit, <laughs> and uh, it's probably the worst I've ever shot. Now, part of that is probably the distance because I was I definitely was not used to that. But there was one point in particular where we had a brand spanking new cardboard backer and we shot like i don't know 10 or 15 rounds and i was like all right let's see how i did i walked up and like literally there was like one hole on it and i was like what how do i miss an entire torso <laughs> that like, i it didn't i couldn't i'm like how the hell did i do this you know i couldn't figure it out and you said you just walked by and you said this little thing to me you were like try putting your finger a little deeper in, in the in the trigger well now, my initial thought when you said it was, wait a minute. My whole life I've been told use the the pad of your finger, the, you know, the front pad of your finger, and I, I was I could I was I, I heard it, but I kind of it didn't it 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 was, it was just like marinating, you know. So I shot the rest of the course terribly, and then I I got home and I said, okay. He said something about my trigger finger. So the first thing I do is I go get my gun, I make sure it's clear, and I dry fire with one hand, with the pad of the finger. And I watched yeah. very closely. And I told my wife, I said, I want you to watch this because it, it clicked. It pushed the barrel to the left. I could see the whole sights moving. And I'm thinking, gee, yeah. at 15 yards. Oh, yeah. That's that's, that's a, a lot. lot of movement, right? So yeah, I said, it okay. Could be like a foot. Yeah. And what I realized, this was the, the big like, oh shit. For however long I've been shooting, I don't practice one handed ever. Yeah. And my support hand makes up for that deficiency.
0: You take it away realize what that support hand is supposed to be. Yes,
1: exactly. So I just wanted to let the listeners know, but also you, I want to thank you. But when you have a good instructor, people listening, it does have, you have these moments and that's why that software is so important.
0: Well, that's, that's where people need to step out of their comfort zone. Like the guy who's like, Oh, I shoot all the time. I know what I'm doing. Yeah, but you don't see what you're doing. Right. No one is there with you critiquing, observing, diagnosing why you're getting what you're getting. You're just shooting and you're putting holes in like a 10-inch group at 10 yards and you're going, that's great. Look at that 10-inch group or the quote-unquote fist size group. Now, I was going to bust your chops and I was going to say, yeah, I shot like, shot like dog shit that night too because at 15 yards, single hand, I was shooting just, you know, this awful three-inch group. <laughs> um, <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, <laughs> well, listeners, you, when, listeners are there. Uh, that's the ball busting chop, part. Yeah. <laughs> well, when you when we came back from break and you had the shoot or don't shoot uh targets up, and I we went through each individual one. I was I felt so good about my shot, and I turned out that I would have shot somebody with a sprite can. <laughs> that made me feel better about myself by the way i didn't kill anybody and um i want you to know that i did practice 40 rounds tonight one-handed because i knew i was talking to
1: you ass kiss and i did not want to come on the show and tell you i hadn't practiced i told him he was an ass kiss. you're an ass kiss you're show. (laughs) but it's true most of the people that were there have shot with you quite a bit more me and keith this is our first time shooting with you and they all blew us out of the water. Yeah, they, they, for the most part, it was one that, was, that Keith was close to, but they they were uh, much better. And that's a testament to your uh, to your teaching. That obviously that well, they're they're doing well.
0: We so whether you got me, Rachel, Sean, or Scott teaching. Um, there's a quote that I like to throw out at the end of every class, and I think these guys throw it out as well. Uh, we will do our absolute best to make you as good of a shooter as you want to be. Yep. So what does that mean? What does that mean to you? We got to put the work in, right? Yeah. You got to put in the work. And
2: I, and like Mike was saying, that was definitely something we wanted to make sure when we were debriefing with you on the, on the, on the show that everybody knew that that was something that we noticed that all of those people, you know, were really benefiting from time that they had spent with you and, and, uh,
0: But yeah, those guys put in, they put in the work. They don't, they don't come in and just, you know, slack and make excuses. They, they take a a verbal and, you know, sort of physical and mental beating sometimes. But, you know, after months and months of being consistent and putting the work and the time in, I've actually walked up to a, I walked up to a dude last night who just shot awesome. This one drill we were doing, it was, it was phenomenal. And I remember him four months ago. He was shooting all over the cardboard and missing the cardboard at 10 yards. And I said to him, I was like, dude, you've, you've come a long fucking way. And he's, yeah, he goes, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? And he like took a picture of his target and he was all psyched. And that's, that's the, that's the big win there, you know, for me and for him is that I can see that and he sees it yeah he understands how he got there
1: well he's putting in that work and you know and you're doing your part as as the instructor and like i said we're excited to take the next course with you and uh on that note i want to thank you again and we will see you very soon yeah see you soon ben thank you
0: you got it man take care
1: all right take care i appreciate it bye
0: let's mix it up
1: all right so that was a lot, man, to unpack, but I mean, I really enjoyed the class with them. Yeah. And uh, let's move on to the other part of the class that we- That helped us take this helped class. Helped us take this class. And so, even
2: though you didn't shoot well, I think this gear helped you not shoot
1: worse. Maybe feel cool, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> so on this episode of Let's Mix It Up, we are going to discuss our battle belt build. Yeah. All right. So on Ben's list of equipment, he- suggests it it's not yeah. mandatory, but he suggests there were some people belt. that
2: didn't have, have oh, yeah. what we had going on. I mean, so, we looked way
1: cooler, but yeah. So I said, Keith, I think I want to build a battle belt, And Keith was kind of like, eh, I don't even eh. know what a battle belt is. Yeah, he was kind of like, eh. now let me start by, let me start by saying this, a battle belt, unless you are an operator, unless you're in law enforcement and you require for your job, but for just guys like us, it is completely a need and not, a, it is a want and not a need. Excuse Correct. me. Correct. Right. But I want one. I'm glad I have one now. Right? Yeah, How do you feel?
2: Definitely feel uh, I'm glad I I I have one. There are a couple downsides which I'll throw in when while we're talking about this. But it's uh it's something like you just said. You just didn't know you wanted until you had it. So I mean, here's the thing.
1: No, you don't need it. And someone out there is going to say because I was this guy oh, like 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 an operator, pretend operator out there. You know, and like <laughs> listen, it's your fucking money. You can spend it on whatever the fuck you want. You want to fucking dress up like GI Joe? Go fucking do it, okay. But I just I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. It, it was it was a it was cool, fun putting it, it was, together. It was a cool tool, and I do think there's a practical thing. I said to Keith, I feel weird calling it a battle belt. I'm like gonna call it like a range belt, but I'll probably call it a battle belt because it sounds cool. Yeah. So when we were going through this, I said, you know what? I remember we interviewed um, Kurt from Blue Alpha Gear. Yep. And I said, let me reach out to Kurt. So I said. Uh, I reached out, I said, Kurt, we're thinking about building battle belts. Would you mind maybe sending us one to test out? And I said, I'll send it back to you when we're done. And he said, nah, I'll send you one out and you can keep it. And I was like, ah, that's awesome. So we did get the belt. Then we asked for two. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) then I asked one for Keith. Um, So we did did get these belts from Blue Alpha. um, But what I will say is... I was very impressed with it. The quality, I, I have belts from Blue Alpha that I've purchased in the past. Their Before quality, we even got on this, doing this podcast. Yeah, the, the quality is very good and this was no exception, super rigid. Holds up that weight very, very well and basically what you do is you put in an inner belt on that's Velcro and then the outer belt attaches to it with the other side of the Velcro and then it's ours, our model had the Molly on it and we could put all our, our gear on all it, all our fun gear on the Molly. Yep. Right, so, uh, we had the Cobra buckles. The Cobra buckles are cool. Yeah. I have at, mine right here. At first I was like, ah, this Cobra buckle is weird. And then once I got used to it, I'm like, Oh, I like this.
2: Cobra yeah. Buckle. There's, I, I definitely, it, you definitely have to learn to get that a Cobra belt off pretty quick. So I said, I would mention one of the downsides as we talked about it. I, I already, you know, was kissing Ben's butt and I did go shoot tonight and I had to stop for gas. And I really just went to the range with the battle belt on. Oh, cool. And, and uh, I got to the gas pulled over how we were that I I thought about it but I was like fuck it I just I'm doing it I'm like I'm in my car I'm not in a store like I only have to conceal when I get out in public I'm not in public I'm in my car right right yep I think I'm okay good I think I'm good so anyway I I went to stop for gas and I was like man I gotta get this thing off I can't pump gas with it right? right and it took me a couple clicks to get the the Cobra belt unbuckled, but I was able to get it off in the car, in my driver's seat pretty easily from yeah. that point. Um, it's hard to exit and enter the car with it on, but yeah. you know.
1: Yeah, What I that's one of my favorite things about having the battle belt yeah. is if if you're in a course and you got, I, the big joke was I had to unload my lunch, like- yeah. I mean, listen. If you had a bunch of stuff on a belt, man, it's well. Sucks. Th-
2: that's what I was going to just follow it up as 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 much as that's just you know. I think we're being a little tough on the. I'm being a little tough on the buckle. You know, you, once you get the hang of it, it's it's all good. But it is very secure. There very. was no risk of that thing coming Never. unclipped unexpectedly. Correct.
1: And it's and what we're saying about the difficulty that is user not Correct. buckle.
2: Yes, you agree with that. Yes, I agree with that.
1: So blue alpha gear double belt rig with the molly on it, one hundred and fifty four ninety seven. Uh, there's a couple like one little option of the inner belt, but that's basically the price for that. Then couple we color options. Then we started adding on some stuff. Yeah. So we chose to go with the S Tack mag pouches the one we have is the triple pouch because we knew we were taking a pistol course but this is one of those things where obviously mission specific or training course specific uh you're going to pick what you need so you might go to two pistol mags and two ars or one pistol mag and three ar mags or whatever you need you can really build it anyway however you that. want yep. uh, but that the triple pouch was 47.50 so that is what that is. And what I liked about that was it held them in really good, but there was no, there was nothing you had to throw over it to keep those mags secure. It's soft on the outside, but it's got these Ky- Kydex, Kydex inserts yeah. that just clamp onto it. Getting them on.
2: That was a little bit, but that,
1: there was a reason for that. But
2: the other thing I wanted to say was one thing we noticed pretty early on was the stiffness of that Kydex. So you had a bright idea of... You know, filling mags with uh, rounds and putting full mags in there to to you know massage that in a little bit, and that worked. I did it overnight, and that was fine. And then the next piece was um, with our buddy Chad from Flatline Fiber Co. Mike also reached out to him, and uh, uh, he just came out with this new product. It's a dump pouch. Um, he's in collaboration with uh, what is it, Kinetic uh, Consulting? Is that yeah, what?
1: Yeah, it Kinetic Consulting.
2: And um, he uh, passed us a couple of those to try out for the course. There were there were some really cool features with that. But the best part is it goes
1: under the mag holders so that it's flat with flush with the belt. So you're not losing real estate, right? You're not using additional molly and additional. So it frees up that space. Right. I also like that it rolls up, which is pretty common for some of these things. But it rolls up really close. So when you're wearing it rolled up, it's right under the mag. It's almost the mag holder holders almost not there and
2: amateur that i am i really didn't know what i would use it for until we started the class i liked it i liked it
1: too i was like i don't know if i'm gonna
2: use i was dumping mags in there as i as i was uh you know as they were falling out uh
1: there's a little pocket in there um i i was uh put i put a bottle of water in there at one point so yeah that's one thing this mag patch has a cool feature inside it has these elastic I'll call it almost like elastic holsters inside. And you can hold AR mags, pistol mags, Sharpies. And you found that your phone fits in there. Oh, let's talk about that for a second. (laughs) So (laughs) this is a really great story. So I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to put my phone in one of these things. And an iPhone fits in great. It's really secure. It fits in the AR mag portion, right? Well, I put my phone in upside down where the buttons are, and I did not know this. We were about to shoot the course, and I hear this weird ringtone. Yeah. It turns out it wasn't a ringtone. It was an emergency signal that when you push the two buttons together on my phone, it sent a signal to my wife telling her that I was in danger, danger <laughs> and she knew that I was at a low light shooting course, and she was frantically well, she, calling. Your
2: wife then called my wife, yeah. who then started to freak out. <laughs> yeah. So so we're at a wait let's let's we're at a low light live fire course that admittedly I think we
1: both were a little nervous
2: about shooting in the dark and our wives get an emergency
1: signal. So uh, pro tip: put your phone in with the buttons up, not in the <laughs> elastic, uh, and hopefully that won't happen here. Oh, but um, but I, I want I do want to talk one more thing about the uh, you had talked about what you used it for. Yeah. What I found was nice about it is like anything that needed to be at hand was there and nothing came out of it you can adjust yeah. it with the a bungee that you can adjust Engie, yep. but i put my mag loader in it mm-hmm. i put so this we had th- i, I had did three, have that in there at one point i had three mags on my belt but he wanted us to have four or five mags so there was nowhere to put those so i just let them hang in the pouch um at one point i had my ear pro in there even though i have chad's ear pro hangers as well so thank you chad <laughs> yeah thank you very much for uh, supporting Oh, yeah, so. but I I did really like it. That was um that's sixty five dollars, um, but it is a very very uh, well thought out product, and I I used it way more than I thought I would. You yeah, agree? I agree. Yeah, and then of course, what would a battle belt be without a holster? <laughs> we went with uh, Tier One Concealments Optio, and I want to point out that we paid the small upgrade. It was like five dollars, and we went with the point one two five, Kydex, and it is. That thing is bulletproof. Oh yeah, solid.
2: Now we're gonna get. It was seventy dollars. I know yep. we're gonna talk about it a little bit more, but in the world of holsters, is that on the higher end or? I don't really buy holsters like you. Not higher end.
1: Okay, I would say like cheap is like forty-five to fifty. Like that's a, that's yeah. a, like a you know that's entry level. not expensive, and there's some good companies that sell them for that. You know, but yeah. that's a that's the lower end and then i mean there's garbage below that right yeah, but yeah, yeah. you can get a decent one for 50 and then i would say like 70 to 80 is like middle of the road and then you can go up into the hundreds you know 125 okay. 150 well
2: this one was perfectly acceptable Very and, good. um we um paired it with the safari land mid uh, mid-ride uh, belt loop and
1: that was probably my favorite part of the belt was where it, where it sat well cuz your hand goes right to it yeah did you feel like a gunslinger in the West? I
2: did. A little I did. Bit, right. Uh, one thing that I was talking to was showing Frank the belt, and one thing he had said was, if you're in like a three gun competition or something, or you're in a, a pistol competition and you're running, you sometimes have a hard time finding, you know, where where the firearm is in relationship to your because your legs your moving. moving. Or, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Man, I can't describe that at all. But I, you got it. You spoke, I Keith. You. I you spoke you. Keith.
1: I got you. I got you. Okay. I hang out with you a lot. <laughs> well, um, might I know it. your language. So let's talk about those really quick. So the tier one consummate was 70. Keith said that the Safariland mid-ride belt loop was $25. That was also paired with the Safariland QLS, QLS fork and receiver plate. And basically what this is, is it's a giant beefy buckle. Yep. One end goes on the holster. One end goes onto the the belt mount. And you can just take the holster off.
2: I didn't realize, you know, when you asked me to buy this. I again, amateur side of me, I didn't really realize what this is. But it's so cool to be able to switch holsters so easily with that
1: plate. So, a couple things here. One, let's say that you are Big Keith, you're in your car, and you're like, "I got to go pump gas." You could have just taken the pistol off. That's true, right? I didn't. Even you could to if, do that. if you are uh, Keith, and I were uh at the at the course and we wanted to go for lunch i'm not saying i would do this but you could take it off and secure it in a bag and or in okay. a locker or whatever and but, yep. but the point is you could take the pistol off the belt very quickly and on top of that if you have multiple guns maybe you go to the range with three different firearms you want to test them all out oh yeah. get some work under your under your belt no <laughs> pun intended with multiple guns you could swap them real easily so thought that was very cool that was thirty four dollars, by the way, just oh. just for that. I have links to all these in the show notes, so you guys can go and order these things up real quick.
2: Uh, so T Rex arms, thigh strap, which just was
1: added comfort. You know, I mean, it I keep, guess you could have not had needed it. You get super cool guy points. Get super cool guy points, yeah. and it keeps it from flopping. If you're pulling out, you know, it keeps it from flopping around. Uh, you can get these things cheap on Amazon for like fifteen bucks. Theirs was eighteen. What yeah. I liked about it is it has this little grommet. That it the bolt that you attach it to goes right through that, and so it's right. like a, it swivels. Yes, where the normal ones run through the holster I and it, you, you cannot swivel them. So this one swivels, and on top of that, on the inside of it, there's a like a rubber. Rubberized material, and that's gonna. It it does really work well. It grips your yeah, pants. Yeah, you're
2: talking. There's like
1: these little rubberized strips. Yes,
2: on the thigh strap that
1: kind of keep it from moving around on your pants. So my point inside. to that is, if you don't like it up high, if you just swivel it and just yep. bring it down a little more, it is going to probably grip your pants fine. I got you. Yeah. I got you. I like mine in the crotchal region. I it makes me feel comfortable. Yeah, like some someone's holding your crotch, <laughs> cradling. Yeah, cradling. So I that was really where we kind of left off. That totaled at four hundred and forty dollars and forty four cents. That's without shipping and tax. Uh, I decided after the fact to go buy a couple more things. Keith <laughs> just saw them tonight. I bought a bought a blue alpha lanyard for fifteen ninety seven, and that's basic. I did buy that. I did not ask um, for one of those. I just bought it, but it's basically just like a keychain on the front what you call a dongle dongle <laughs> it <laughs> it uh I like that word I don't know why but um it's just a little little uh thing to hook you can your keys or gloves or whatever but it doesn't take up any real estate and I was like oh, that's kind of cool and then this one I think is a really big one is uh soil eater is mm-hmm. the company their v2 tourniquet holder and it it goes right in the front right in front of your holster so if you're a right-handed shooter or a left-handed but right hand shooter right to the left of your holster right in front of you so between the holster and the belt buckle and you put the tourniquet in and as a spot you can also put like a little sharpie so like you're going to mark your targets which i think is super convenient yep and if you ever need to use the tourniquet you can grab it from both hands so you just rip it towards the buckle and i've i tested it it rips right out oh that's cool but it it keeps it in there real secure and had great reviews. Um Garen Thumb recommended it. And He's a you know big influencer. A couple other guys that I follow that I, I think are are good influencers out there. So $25, uh you really should have a tourniquet with you when you're doing this kind of stuff. That added those two things added up. It made it four eighty forty four. So it's a
2: it's I mean it's a little bit of an investment if you yes. wanted to build something like this. Um For sure. and we were fortunate to have a little help with that. Thank you, Kurt and, and Chad. But it's I, I like you said, you for a range belt, um and even you could you know you could really reduce the cost of this if you can start with a good foundational belt like like what what blue Alpha is offering, um you'll be fine and you'll have a really good system to be able to even use at the range
1: yeah, a couple couple of things there. so first off, I'm very thankful to Blue Alpha, but there are other options out there and and there are other good options you could explore. <laughs> I, I highly recommend it. It is very, very good. But if it's not your thing or whatever, you obviously can go a different route. But I think it's as good as anything out there. Yeah. So I would give them a look. And as Keith said, it is an investment, but you need to start with a foundation. And from there, you can you could start very easily with just a holster. Yeah. Right? You don't need the QLS forks. You don't have to have that. You could add them later. You don't need the thigh strap. You could add it later. Mag holders, you might want to get mag holders, but they were cheap. They were. Yeah, but not, you know.
2: I'd be happier just to hear listeners get a good foundational belt and a holster and, and not have the mag holders and just shoot, you know, right. and, and commit to using this in a range like we keep talking about, or, you know, go use it at a training course. So to your point, you know, you can, you can build this up slowly, but you got to start with a good foundational belt. I know that's what we, we wanted to make sure. For sure. Across. And a good holster, right. You want and to get a good good holster, holster.
1: <clears throat> but you know, one last piece to this, and then we'll kind of exit out of here. I know most people out there. You're not going to carry your gun like this, yeah. right? You're going to you're, you're going to carry either appendix in the waistband, three o'clock. You're going to wear maybe outside the waistband in a pancake holster at three o'clock. So, you, so I could see the, already people saying, "Well, why would you do this if you, know, train, you the, train train the way it, you yeah. shoot, yes. right?" Yeah, but yeah. if you're working on skills, Correct. right? If you're wor- so, this was a perfect course, right? Keith and I already said we were a little apprehensive about the low light. This is not the time to worry about clearing garment. This is not the time to, this is a time to learn a skill. We were using it for flashlight, low light course, right? There's definitely a lot of reason to, to use this on the rain. It's
2: not bad to train with something like this. You you could easily, I mean, look at what's going on in the world today. You could easily find yourself in a situation where you're walking around with
1: a battle belt on a regular I, basis. I did, it, that did not escape me, <laughs> yeah, right? That so did not escape me what's it's going It's just on?
2: another form of training. And, Outside of another form of training, it's also a, a good way to just focus on the skills that you're trying to learn in a training course or in your own training
1: regiment that you're that you're going to have on a range or whatever the case may and be. I'm just going to say it: it is kind of fun to do it's a cool. little. A little LARPing is not not going to hurt anybody. It's just cool. Go have a little fun. Pretend you're yep. a badass, Billy really badass for a day. Yeah. Play GI Joe. I felt great wearing it in my car. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Listen, women get to wear makeup and doll themselves up and be like, you know, <laughs> beauty pageant. I get to be GI Joe. And that's all I'm going to say about that. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Right. All right. So let's close this bad boy out. We want to thank Ben for working with us on our low light shooting skills and joining us on the show to discuss the topic in more detail. It really was a great course. I enjoyed it. Keith. I know you did as well. So be sure to check out his website for future classes. He goes all around the country, has a lot of different offerings, a lot of different courses. And I think you would be pleased with his classes. Ben is certainly one of many great instructors out there. I know he's trained under a lot of people. So regardless of who you decide to train with, just make sure that you're putting in the work to be a more proficient protector. And that's really what it comes down to. Well said. Yeah. And everyone listening, we want to thank you again for taking time out of your day to tune into our show. You can find links in the show notes to all of our social media. So be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter so we can keep the conversation going.
2: God bless Texas. God bless Texas.